Hello everyone, Chris here. Now please don't skip this bit. There's something we really would like you to help us with. The Podcast Awards are taking nominations at the moment, and we would love for you to vote for us in these nominations. It takes about 30 seconds tops, and it would really help us out. Now to nominate, go to podcastawards.com, then click the Listener Nominations Now Open link at the top of the page. Register for an account as a listener. Don't worry, it's free, and your details won't be shared or anything weird like that. Next, under the Games and Hobbies section, click the drop-down box and select Staying In. And then scroll down and select Save Nominations. And that's it. Job done. We don't do proper advertising on the podcast, and we really don't want to. So if you like what we do and want to support us and make us super, super happy, free of charge, then this is absolutely the best way you can do it. Thanks. Now, on with the show. Loffy, faster than light, and into the breach. This is Staying In. Lads, lads and dad. I, I won't say which I, one's which. Can I, still be a, no. can I still be a lad if I'm a dad? No, sorry. Is it a, you... so, can I rule it out? If, if, if your wife has got to go through childbirth, then you've got to at least relinquish some... Oh, fair, that's thing. fair enough. Still not that even, though, is it, really? <laughs> uh, what else can we make Dan give up? You're no longer allowed to eat your favourite flavour of crisp, but you now have to eat your worst flavour of crisp. Oh, no. What's my worst flavour of crisp? It's cheese and onion, isn't it? No, cheese and onion can be quite nice. Mm, exactly, quite nice. Ready salted. Mm, well... Ready salted crisps can be quite nice. I, I think I'm of the opinion where as long as it's crunchy and fatty, <laughs> as long as it's crispy, crunch. No, no, you're also missing, Sam, as long as it's highly acidic. <laughs> I, honestly, I can't be near you when you're eating crisps or even chips. You put that much vinegar on it. The pH level in the room changes so dramatically. Oh, so when you've got really hot chips and they're like, as a resort, it kind of, it turns into like vapor, like, it just fills the like room. It's like mustard gas. Oh yeah, that's that's the problem with um, really hot chips is that I have to like double soak the chips because they seep, like all the vinegar, vinegar just goes and seeps into the chip. That is, I think, the most disgusting thing I've heard of this year. Double soak the chips. <laughs> well, th- this will make you even more disgusted in me is that I recently found that Sarsons, the great uh, vinegar distillers of this nation, make a purpose, well, not purposely for me, but a a very specific vinegar called Extra Strong Vinegar. For Sam. Is that just to clean your paintbrushes? (laughs) (laughs) What's worrying is that that's now my base level of vinegar because I've had it so much. So, A... I'm always worried that they're going to take it away from me and it's going to be some sort of like limited edition deal and suddenly I'm not going to be able to get extra strong vinegar from anywhere. And B, I'm I'm having to go harder and stronger with my with my vinegar just to get that oh, get that fizz, get that kick. Your internal organs must be pickled. <laughs> I'm going to live forever, mate. Do we all agree that when you go to the chip shop, the vinegar that they put on the chips there should not be classed as vinegar because it it gives it no taste and you always have to apply more when you get home? It reminds me of the time where I used to work at a restaurant and we had like industrial jars of all the sauces Mm. and I had never tried horseradish. So I blithely just inscrewed this massive industrial tub 
and stuck my nose in it and nearly passed out. <laughs> Horseradish, right, belongs on the Willington Bell Curve between mayonnaise and like mayonnaise and mustard. A which, a which... At which stage of the Willington bell curve? Is it the start where it's really, really high or the middle where it's really, really low? It's in between. Remember, it's a Willington bell curve, so it could be going in any direction. It's in between salad cream and... No, tartar sauce and mustard. So it goes mayonnaise, salad cream, oh, a little bit spicy, tartar sauce, oh, what are these capers? Oh, horseradish, oh, f***ing calm down, mate. And then mustard, oh, no, too much. That's the... What about wasabi? Yeah, but that's green, isn't it? So what, what's that got to do with anything? It's in the League of Their Own. I was going from like similarly coloured things. What, like a Dulux swatch? Like mayonnaise and mustard are the same. I get no, I, I, no. I hear you're right because because then it goes mustard yellow, and then the colour's slightly getting darker. And, and that's only one type different. of mustard: whole grain, Dijon, yeah, French mean, mustard. You've dug yourself into a hole here, Sam. We all know that the best mustard is yeah, the... We are, yeah, D- Sam didn't realise that Dan is Professor of Mustard at Oxford <laughs> University. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Like, Because yeah. we've talked about, and you've made fun of me in the past, that my I listen to different kinds of music different types of, of seasons or weather say for example so like there's music i listen only during the summer oh yeah uh, Hilarious. Because it feels quite summery and nice yeah <laughs> lol um, but is there any kind of <laughs> it's a little bit of bitterness there yeah, yeah any kind of recommendations you have like what's a kind of go-to say summer album that you would always go to so for me i always go to coconut records night timing that is my summer album hmm. or the kinks their proper summer band for me. I can't really comment because I don't really follow music to any kind of extent. And my, I don't certainly don't have seasonal playlists. Well, Dan, I'm glad you've put this forward because I discovered an app the other day called... It's called Lofi. So it's like coffee, but with an L. Okay. It's a nice so little app. Lofi. I've got it on Android. You may be able to get it for Apple, I don't know. But basically, it's this bloke who's a student, I think, Ak- Akeb Hamdan. Sorry if I butchered your name. He's a full-time student and a lo-fi lover. He really likes kind of like that lo-fi music. And lo-fi, I think, is a nice genre of music that's perfect for this time of year when it's really nice and hot and sweaty in Willington outside. He's got these kind of hand-picked kind of playlists that he creates for different times of the day, say, for example, and it's just properly chilled. So I can recommend that app if you want something nice and hand-picked and summery. So, so what does this like link into Spotify or? or no, nope, it's a so? separate app. And what's great about it is that you can have it playing in the background while you do other things on your phone. It's just a nice app that he he kind of custom curates this playlist. But where are the songs coming from? Because he doesn't have the rights to the songs. Good question, Dan. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I think I'm... it's like because people do this on YouTube quite a lot, and I have quite a lot of um, saved videos on on youtube of people streaming music from their from their computer and like making a mix and it's like a a continual thing and basically you're just tapping into the stream at other moments so is it a bit like like that i think so yeah there are certain tracks that are like kind of on there quite often but he has such a quite a nice range of stuff there that you never really get bored it's just really pleasant to have in the background and it's i mean i know some people may say well just go to spotify if you've got a spotify account but i don't have a spotify account let's say and sometimes YouTube really annoys me with the ads. This doesn't have any ads. So I can mm. just have that playing in the background. It's just an instant fix for me to get something chilled mm. um, and can perfectly de-stresses you. 
So Lofi, L-O-F-E-E. Available only on Android, apparently. Apparently so. But Sam, Sam, okay, so if Dan's not a music fan, yeah. Sam, what is your go-to summer album? Because you've got me into lots of great bands over the years we've known each other. What's great about the summer is, and I know I mock you for your playlists of the seasons, but there's two different types of summer music that you should really be hitting for. And there's no other season that's really like that, I don't think. So in the summer, you have your your lo-fi music. You know, the sun's going down. You're just relaxing, chilling out and listening to things like Fink and Bonobo, and Mr. Scruff and all that kind of jazz and jazz, which is great. And then you've got the you're driving in the car. It's 30 miles an hour. You just topped up your petrol, so you've got the windows up and the AC on. Okay, oddly specific. Well, you know what I'm like. It's AC's, AC's expensive, so I'm only going to turn it on for special occasions. So ACDC. <laughs> and that's probably when I would like to listen to hip-hop generally during the, during the summer. Because a lot of hip-hop tends to be quite seasonally specific. Like, a, a lot of artists do rap about you know the summertime will smith that's a bad example but you get me <laughs> yeah I, I, you're right i mean it's very rare that you'll get a hip-hop artist say on a best of christmas kind of album, so. <laughs> well run dmc did do a very popular christmas song so. okay wasn't eminem christmas number one one year wasn't he christmas yeah, one with but, stan yeah but stan's not a song about santa is it meaning that and, it was out at christmas i'm so cold i'm wondering why don't you write me santa I thought we were cool. I learned about you at the school. And I'm just going to let you go fact. with this. <laughs> <laughs> I was not going to go any further than that. So Notorious B.I.G. is fantastic in the summer. And also there is a, a band from the Netherlands. I think uh, there's an album of theirs, a first album they released called Mind State, um, which is a really, really good summer summer album. Which is which is good to go to. Yeah, Dortmund was great. Like I stayed, we stayed with uh, my partner's best friend and her boyfriend in their house, and that we basically were properly kind of looked after. The whole experience was incredible. Oh, uh, awesome! I had, I, I had the best barbecue of my life. Good. What was on the barbecue? Right, this was incredible. Right. You know pigs in blankets? Yeah. So, you know, sausage with a strip of bacon around it. I love, I love the, the way that, I mean, you can't see that, but how big <laughs> that sausage is when Chris when Chris mimes it. <laughs> it's like did the size ever, of his head. The, when, when you're, yeah, when you're a kid, do you ever sing the world he's got, you ever sing the song, he's got the whole world in his hand and do the actions. That's how big Chris's sausage was. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. Can we use that little clip as the trailer? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, imagine you take the sausage out of the equation. What would you put in its place? Still wrapped in bacon that is better than the sausage. What tops a sausage? And a clue: it's not meat. I'm gonna go with like a like a halloumi cheese or something. Ooh, that's a good option. Uh, I well maybe a paneer, but maybe I'd say go with halloumi. Mm, maybe a pepper. Like a bell pepper, something like that? A date. No, no, joking aside, Ugh. absolutely incredible. Ugh. Honestly. Uh, not if you, not if you don't bacon. like dates, which I don't. I don't like dates, but this was incredible. 
honestly absolutely incredible uh, I, I even now this is the big thing I discovered lads that I like beer oh no what what I know because listeners won't know but I don't drink beer generally and no and so- it was bloody infuriating especially when we were in uh, Austria and yeah <laughs> Where cider, which is what I usually drink, is largely an abstract concept. <laughs> we had to li- I felt like we were delving into the into the bowels of every shop that we went to, and Chris would be like, "I've got it." He'd emerge from this dusty shelf, holding like, "I found the last cider." Yeah, well, we cleared out that spa in Salzburg. Yeah, the the kid behind the counter couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> they only had two bottles on their shelf, and the next day there'd be two bottles there waiting for me to pick up. <laughs> But no, but I, I figured the secret now, and a lot of people listening to this won't will go. This is that isn't beer, and yeah, okay, it's not beer. Uh, in the same way, when I say I drink cider, Pete says you don't drink cider, Chris. Scrumpy's proper cider, but I, I've, I've discovered fruity beers, and I really quite like them because for me, on that Wellington bell curve, they're that nice happy medium between cider and beer, a fruity beer. Uh, I had this fantastic beer. I had two brilliant beers. One was called Rakata, and it had a little, like a little bit of lime juice in there. Well, actually, no, it was lime vodka, so it was double trouble. And it was just this really nice fruity mix. Yeah, because that, that's not fruit beer. That's like putting a lime into the top of your Corona. That, because there are actually like... But there are actually like fruit beers that taste like strawberry. So are you, are you saying you just like a bit, like almost turning a beer into a shandy to take a bit of the edge off or a full-on fruit beer a full-on fruit beer okay that's what i've discovered so now i know with vodka in when i'm traveling abroad (laughs) um i know i can order that he goes he goes from like (laughs) let's go from like one extreme to the other i don't like beer unless i have it also with vodka and fruit and fruit (laughs) one of my five a day (sighs) what was the other beer you had then oh the other beer, or oh, the other beer, was cactus randomly. Oh, the uh, tequila flavored one. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm seeing a theme. I don't think it's fruit, Chris. Yeah, I think you're just really into your spirits. <laughs> but I don't even like tequila. This is the weird thing. It's like dates and bacon. Who would have put them together? But it, it happened. <laughs> I mean, this oh is alchemy. I just like the fact this whole like holiday that you had revolves around you mixing things with other things that shouldn't be put together and having this wonderful. It was incredible. I was sat in this wonderful kind of German restaurant outside with a fruity beer in one hand, Wiener Schnitzel in the other, watching Japan in the World Cup versus Belgium. And it was just bliss. It was lovely. Absolutely incredible. Filled my boots with pastries and bread I have over the last <laughs> 48 hours or so. So yes, I can recommend Dortmund. And beer mixed with spirits. Yeah. Yep. Beer mixed with spirits. I'll have a carling engine, please. <laughs> oh my god. What's the one um Guinness and is it Guinness and Champagne? Is that the red velvet? No, these are not Guinness and Tia Maria. I do remember yeah. in a place I used to work I used to work in like a the student union kind of club and the bouncers, uh, every time one of the bouncers left, they had a ritual where he had to down a pint of Guinness that they dropped a shot of Baileys into. So Whoa. basically, as soon as you drop that Baileys into it, the whole thing starts to curdle and basically solidify. You can't buy class. And they had to try and down that. <laughs> oh my God, I'd never leave. So, Dan, when you said when they left, when they left, do you mean they left their job or they left for the night? When they, when they left their job. I'd okay. never leave. I'd still be working there. <laughs> I'd still be working there. I could Drawing not. your pension. 
<laughs> Fortunately, the bar staff didn't have such a ritual, so I was safe. All right. Over the days and years, I collect names for my XCOM 2 squad. Yep. And any time Dan or I see or come up with a name that we think, oh my gosh, that would be perfect, we just drop it in the WhatsApp chat. New yep. XCOM name. XCOM 2 is pretty much, is probably my favourite game. I love it. Uh, it was recently free on PS Plus. So hopefully I've downloaded it just for you, Sam. Thanks. As did I. Thanks. I'm not expecting you to play it or love it. I'm pretty much happy loving it and playing it on my own. So I hope. Because that's but, what friends are for. Yeah. But I, what the one thing I love most about XCOM 2 is the fact that I can name my characters and give them funny names and get to know them and get to love them. Do you want to know some of the great names? So before you give us the names, do you want to talk about what are the parameters that you have to, we have to work within to give you a name? Because you've got a very stringent, select, you have a very selective process, don't you? Uh, I don't think there's any parameters as such. It's just got to be quite witty and funny. Some would say that is a parameter, but yeah, okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> but and, unlike... you, and you like them to be pun, puntastic. Sometimes uh, puns, but you know, Rand... first and second names. So it's full names you're after. Yeah, I mean, Randy Morang <laughs> isn't a pun, but it's a bloody funny name, isn't it? So there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of parameters here, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, exactly. I've got like Max Height. Thank you. Bag of chips, and then <laughs> like Burley waffles, boring sandwich, uh, Bourbon ricer, uh, Plank and Aloe punch face are husband and wife team. Aloe's nickname is Vera. Makes sense. Yes. So yeah. So XCOM. I I love the fact that that's one of the things I love. And actually, if you're listening and you think you've got a cool name, then at Mr. Sam Turner to get involved in my XCOM squad. But the reason why I bring it up is that I've started playing another game which allows me to do exactly the same thing. So recently, Toby Larone, Pete Zar, and Dave Jarvu have been called into battle on a game called Into the Breach. Into the Breach, which is a game by Subset Games. I think I've been playing a game by Subset Games as well. Weirdly. I think you have, Dan, haven't you? What have you been playing? They've only released two, and if it's not Into the Breach... I didn't realise they released another one. Uh, I've, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing uh, FTL, Faster Than Light. Awesome. Oh, that's the one where you're on the ship, isn't it? It's top down. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. Are you familiar with Faster Than Light? No. Sam, are you? Yes. Okay, yeah. How yeah. does that? How does it differ with Into um, the Breach? Completely different on okay. a mechanical level. The only similarities they share is that are both like roguelikes and procedurally generated stuff. Okay. So that's the only thing that they have in common. But in terms of what they what they do mechanically, they're they're very different. So where can I find this game? Um, so PC, Xbox, Faster Than Light is available on Steam and iPad, and Into the Breach is currently only available on Steam. So both games have a massive following. Into the Breach only came out this year, but created a, a massive buzz because. Faster Than Light has been a bit of a darling on the iPad and iPhone and on Steam for quite a while. Um, it'll probably be best to talk about Faster Than Light first and then we can talk about Into the Breach. You know, work cro work chronologically. Well, I I mean, I started playing Faster Than Light a little while ago. I'd never really heard of it because I don't... I don't... I don't socialise in the, the indie gaming circles, uh, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, 
good friend of ours and friend of the show um, and a good friend of mine, uh, Duncan Malloy. He's been on the show before. Um, he gifted mm-hmm. me a code for F- Faster Than Light. So mm. I, he sent it over. and I What a lovely chap. He is indeed. And I had a had a, uh, a quick go on that. And it was, it, was, it was fun. Although I didn't really get into it at that time. And it was just sitting in my kind of seam store. And then recently I purchased Civ 5. And obviously Civ 5 yes. is quite a large game. And so it took quite a long time to download. So as I was sitting on my computer, kind of browsing random bits of internet, I just thought, while this is downloading, maybe I'll play a game or something. I saw that. I was like, I'll give this another go. I'll just maybe, maybe I was in the wrong frame of mind for it first time around. So I started playing it. And once I'd kind of reacquainted myself with kind of how the game works and kind of re-understood all the kind of the, the mechanics of it, um, I started to really enjoy it and start to learn a lot of the more intricate, areas of the game kind of the strategic side of things and understanding why i'm putting certain characters in certain places i didn't realize that there was a game in which you created funny names all my characters are named after you guys so it's always oh, uh, Dan, it's always on. pete chris and sam and then occasionally hang on, hang on. Who, who's doing who's doing the best down <laughs> i'd say pete dies an awful lot i don't quite know why <laughs> Sam is great on the weapons. Chris is great on the engine. Pete's the pilot, and he just seems to die an awful lot. I don't know why. I don't know. He's just not pulling his weight. Um, Dan, can I can I can I suggest an, an a name for your for your captain next time you play? Go on then. General Purpose. Okay, I'll note it down in my little book of crap yeah. names, and then I'll use it next time round. Isn't it wonderful? Because like you'll start like because. Fast and Light does the same thing that Into the Breach does. You can name both your ship and the characters who inhabit it as well. And as soon as you start putting that investment into, rather than just going, oh, Dan, Pete and Chris. Because the, the the thing that's wrong with that is, is that your characters will die. So I always figure that if I give them a stupid name, then it gives them the room to grow and become like a legacy character. Like bloody hell burly waffles has stuck around for a long time and suddenly he he is able to create this narrative around it whereas if it's just oh bloody sam's popped off again right here we are sam type that in again so yeah start funny names dan it's my is that is that is that the way i've got another one dan go on admiral car insurance (laughs) i I might i might run out of characters for that one but i'll i'm sure i'll work out a way of narrowing it down and and to to finish off the trio of your squad, major shame, major shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, next next time around, that my crew will be quite eclectic. Let's say that. <laughs> but get but getting back to the to the game uh, beyond the names because there is more to the game than that. I don't, it's only kind of I've only worked it out kind of as I've played the game, so I kind of worked things out for myself as opposed to because I did the tutorial ages ago. I can't really remember it. It's elements like when there's a fire in the ship, one of the best ways of getting rid of the fire is to kind of close the doors around it and then open airlocks to remove the oxygen to get rid of the fire and that kind of thing. And whilst obviously your characters can put out the fire with extinguishers, often they can get hurt and it could just, might not work too great. Whereas I like the fact that these the physics aspects to it where you can open the airlocks and that gets rid of the fire. And if the fire is spread, you can kind of open up multiple airlocks. And depending on where your characters are, they will or won't be affected by you doing that. And each level, so to speak, is pretty much a battle between you and another ship. So you have a strategy based on what they're doing and what how to work it. So often, most of what I do is I focus on dropping their shields. So all my 
all the attacks I have are having more of an impact unless they're trying to escape and I might direct it somewhere else. So my plan of attack is constantly adapting, constantly evolving over the course of a relatively short amount of battle time a lot of the time. Um, and on top of that, you're then focused on, okay, there's a fire in the oxygen room or whatever you want to call it. So I've got to sort that because otherwise the oxygen is going to drop in the whole ship and everyone's going to die. So then I lose someone from there. And it's about moving those resources around to make sure you're still as effective as possible. And for such a for such a small game, there's a lot to think about. I think first time around, maybe I just didn't get the rules right and I just I didn't really get it. Whereas maybe it's because I had a lot of time to play it because I was downloading Civ Five that I was able to just put a bit more time into it focused and I was probably in a more relaxed environment that I was just not really paying attention that enabled me to kind of just engage with the game a bit more. How how long how long is is it like missions and if so how long's like a mission let's say if I, could I just dip in and dip out save my progress or will I lose something by doing that? You know you I think you would lose something and that's only the fact that I think it's a game that works really well with momentum. So once you've once you win a battle you kind of want to go on to the next one and try again and and go on to the next one go on to the next one build it up and as over the course of the game you you're kind of given PowerPoint, so to speak, that you can assign to different areas of your ship, which you can upgrade your ship, so your shields will improve, your weapons will improve, and all these aspects will improve. So you, you do get that element of momentum, which is really nice, but you absolutely can come and do a mission, and the mission can be 30 seconds, can be a couple of minutes. It's not going to be any more than that, really. I, no. In anything I've done anyway, there's, you've not got anything more than that. So it is absolutely drop in and drop out, and come in, do... You could do a level, and a level might be eight or nine missions because you've got to get from one area of the map to the other area via all these different kind of locations so you've got to find like a, a way across there and i think it, it's a very easy game to then as i say just quick have a quick go enjoy it maybe boost up your your ship a little bit and then step out again but there is it's a very accessible game once you get over that initial hurdle that i found which might just be me other people you might play it and kind of if you follow it through the tutorial and that aspect, it might be easier for you to pick up. I obviously picked it up a little while after I'd played the tutorial, so it was still quite fresh. It was still, The whole thing was still quite new to me when I started playing again, which is why I kind of struggled at the very, very beginning. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's Fast and Light was just a game that I recognised being good, like, but I, it's just not my kind of game. Like micromanagement games, I really struggle to eke any sort of enjoyment out of the only one i have ever really enjoyed was overcooked and i think that's because you're sharing micromanagement with other people so when i'm getting stressed out i can just shout at chris to go and do something whereas really i'm probably to blame for being really poor at the game anyway so like pokemon and zelda breath of the wild like faster than light is one of a few games that i know is really really good but i just didn't get along with because it just it's mechanics that i don't enjoy so into the breach for me is pretty much the complete opposite of that scale it's pretty much triggers everything that i love about xcom 2 for example it's procedurally generated each level is different there's persistence in death I can name my characters. I can name my mechs. This really seems to be the biggest hook for you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but but also, and this is what I love about turn-based strategy games in general, like the good ones, is that each level is essentially a puzzle that you have to work through. Now, I've been looking for ages for a really nice 
uh, sort of small scale turn based strategy game because XCOM 2 is kind of a time sink. Like you could be in some of those levels for maybe 40, 50 minutes fighting aliens, depending on what your strategy is and how you're going about a fight. So I had been playing uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle on the Switch, which is a really good turn-based game, but A, doesn't allow me to rename Mario into Naan Bread, and B, it's not procedurally generated. So when you go into a battle, everything is set up exactly the same each time you go into that battle all the enemies in the same place all the covers in the same place so essentially all you have to do is work out how that one particular puzzle works and then you're through to the next stage and there's no replayability and coming back and experiencing things over time so even though i love that game for what it brings and the fact that i can take it on the go and i can play it you know at work or whatever like like it doesn't really scratch that itch of actually making my mind work whereas into the breach has that effect on me in terms of its mechanics i'm I'm thinking about it now and I'm thinking about how I could have done things differently in different situations. So how Into the Breach works is is, is it's similar to Faster Than Light in its art styles, has this wonderful like pixelated art style that's strangely detailed in some respects and it's really, really nice to look at. The soundtrack is also incredible. I think, Chris, you'd get a lot from the soundtrack as well. And essentially you're playing a group of time travellers who are going back in the timeline to try and stop the emergence of these aliens called Vec destroying the earth so you start off and you go back in time into your mechs and you land on these maps which are eight by eight grids and like all the best puzzle games this is a game that really harks back to chess and what will happen is you'll place your pieces onto this grid you start off with essentially three different mechs you've got a mech that hits hard and close up you've got a mech that can hit enemies but only orthogonally so up down left right and when it hits an enemy it gets pushed away a square and then you've got another uh, mech that can only like fire like mortars really far on the map and when it does enemies any enemies or anything within the vicinity will get pushed north south east and west on a direction like imagine like the explosion pattern of a bomb like pushes everything away from the square that the rocket lands on And that's a really essentially important mechanic, this whole pushing idea. It's kind of what everything around Into the Breach like hangs on. So once you place your mechs, then the VEC will move. And the grids are really interesting because they're really sort of like detailed cityscapes, at least on the first island. So you've got these like high-rise buildings. And when you land on your mechs, these little speech bubbles come out the high-rise buildings and people going, they're here, daddy, they're here to save us. And like someone else saying, they're going to protect you, son. And like, yay, the Rift Walkers are here. And it's just like this wonderful little like burst <laughs> It's of, Toby Larone. It's Toby Larone, he's here. And so then the Vec will move and then the Vecs have, a Vec have got like two different objectives. The first thing is just like stop you and to go up and start attacking you. And the other one is to attack the buildings because if they attack and destroy enough of the buildings, you've got this like health gauge at the top corner. And if that goes to zero, then your game is just completely over. So, so they'll go and attack the buildings and they move. And then the game tells you how they're going to attack and where they're going to attack. And then it's your go. So then knowing where they're going to go, you then have to place your mechs in positions to help deal with the attack that's going to come. And this is the bit which is absolutely it just makes me salivate like the prospect of it so to give you so to give you an example of like things that you can do they there's like a vec which has like a range attack so 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 you have like a vec that 
their vex do similar things to you like close-up attacking range attacking like far off mortars things and all that kind of stuff so you can essentially what you can essentially do is you could push a mech that's attacking a building so it moves onto a square so in in the next move instead of attacking the building it's in front of you it will attack another vec that's on that that's on another square or there's these like there's these things like little emergent squares which tells you where the enemies are going to spawn from in the next round and you can do things like setting up uh, movements and pushes so a vec will end its move on one of those squares and it will get and it will be dealt one damage by the vec like pushing up from underneath it so it's got this wonderfully rich and deep puzzle uh, mechanic within it it's not just about like we've got to save the buildings or you've got to defeat all the all the vec it's about how can you build a synergy throughout your team so that i'm punching this one vex so that means he's going to move two squares there and then if i push him with the other guy then i can move him onto that square or when i push a vec into another vec it will do one damage to the enemy that's getting pushed into it so i can do double damage there in that occasion and because again like each grid is procedurally generated the puzzle is different every time and like chess and like the duke yeah i was just thinking of the duke yeah that it's that first encounter is when they move and then i just have to sit there and go right here's the puzzle how do i solve it what how am i going to go about what sacrifices do i have do i have to make that building fall here so i can go and protect other enemies and other objectives over in this corner and then to top it all off if you lose and it's game over you've only got the power to send one person back in time to start another timeline and help defeating the vec again so every, each game you play each mission is another timeline where you're trying to stop the vec invasion so as you play all your mechs get, you know, XP and they get certain bonuses and they get upgrades and stuff like that. So like Toby Lerone, for example, was I played a few missions with him and he got like a few extra like health boosts and bursts. But then a pilot landed onto my grid and I picked him up. I was like, oh, this is a pilot from another future that's landed. So I picked him up. So then when the game was over, because I'm not that good at it yet, I had to then make a decision like, do I take Toby Lerone back with me? Or do I take this like new pilot and then go and pilot with him? And once I decide not to take Toby back on the on the timeline with me, I've lost him as a character forever. I've still got access to that pilot and he's come back now and his name's Pete Zarr. And so I've still got access to that pilot, but I've lost everything that I had that was upgraded with him. So I love that idea that you go through this story with someone and you build them up and it's like, and then when it ends, you've only got enough energy to take back one character with all their upgrades. And it just adds that little extra something to the game. And at the moment, Into the Breach is only on Steam. And I think people have made a lot of noise about it wanting to be on iPad and specifically Switch, which I was kind of holding out for, but... I just I couldn't wait any longer and had to play it and it's been it's become such an obsession that I've now permanently got my little like editing laptop that I use for this podcast on my kitchen side and like I'm just turning it on and playing a few games and I'm I'm taking it to work with me every day so I can play it on my lunch breaks and that's something that I never would have considered myself doing like I've started playing mobile games and I've started playing games on Steam and guys I do you? not recognize the man I've become, Dan, I do not know. But yeah, Into the Breach, along with Faster Than Light, like subset games can do no wrong at this point. They're incredible. I spent 
the last hour looking at a pipe. <laughs> Hang on. Can Dan and I guess what kind of pipe? Uh, I mean... Crack? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I say, I think your guesses are very, very differently whether you're thinking of university, Sam, or middle-aged Sam. I mean, I've known both university Sam and middle-aged Sam, <laughs> neither of which I remember having a crack pipe. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I didn't know you before university when Chris knew you. So did you just go through like a really hardcore drug phase before uni? At uni, I never smoked a crack pipe. So did you Did you want to be wearing like a... Did you want to have like a an old man pipe? Yeah, yeah. I Seriously, when I was smoking, uh, I thought, hmm, what can I do to stand out the crowd? And it started off with I'd only ever smoke using licorice... Uh, papers. I think say John... licorice all sorts. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Bertie Bassett. No, yeah, licorice papers because that's what Johnny Depp did. Then I thought, oh, I could, I could go one step further here, and I could get a pipe, have some tobacco. I, I, once, I once did a play where I had to smoke a pipe during the play. Uh, I eventually stole the said pipe from the play, um, and Ooh. I still have it. Yeah. I had a great. I was. Re- I used to really enjoy. I mean, I've never really smoked, but I used to really enjoy just the act of smoking a pipe. It just felt really quite. Please, I've got this image of you taking that pipe to the birth of your son, and you're sitting there on the on the bench outside, like just like. What, with bubbles coming out. And, yeah, and then <laughs> and then the nurse opens the door, and you just stand up like pipe in hand, aloft like Sherlock Holmes, just like, is it? Is it? Yes, Mister Frost. It's a. Boy, a boy, huzzah! And then they're leaving immediately to go to the pub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't show that bit at the end of the Sherlock Holmes stories. No. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, pipe, pipe, back to it. Come on. Right. We're, we're uh, veering. Now, I know for a fact that you are currently doing up your bathroom. Yeah, and I, kn- I also know that you're currently having some issues with shower valves. And that's, a, that's not a euphemism. Uh, yes, you are correct that you've got the right room and the right bit of equipment. So the bathroom's been completely redone. We've pretty much stripped everything back to brick. And part of, part of it is that all the walls are going to be tiled. So before we tile everything, we've got to make sure that everything's watertight in terms of plumbing and everything works correctly. And so we've got this fancy shower valve that we've put on the wall. And one of the pipes from it started to drip and so it means that the shower valve the internal bit of it is leaking like it's letting water through when it's closed so we uh rang the manufacturers and we got some way of how to fix it so this afternoon we fixed it (laughs) then i've literally spent the last hour just looking at a pipe to see if it's dripped and just watching the drips slowly i mean you could just put a could just put a bowl underneath it and then you go away and then come back and see is there any water in it yeah no but we've got but there will be drips because that's how water and gravity works but it's about first of all it's kind of about speed because if it well because we've got a deadline of getting the bathroom finished when you guys all come up to Scarfell Pike because otherwise it's going to be a bit awkward and so we've kind of ramped up production of bathroom so if it's broken then it's like that's a call that needs to be made like tonight or tomorrow to get a new one out and fixed and put on so yours is a great plan dan if we had like months and months to do it i mean i wasn't suggesting you leave the bowl under there for months 
<laughs> and then dividing it by <laughs> the number of days. Just a whole stalagmite starts to form. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely dripping. It's <laughs> definitely There's dripping. There's 100 mils. We've left it for 60 days. It's. I think it definitely is leaking. So we were just standing there and... At one point, I uttered the sentence to my father-in-law-to-be. I said, yeah, that drip definitely dripped longer than the last drip did drip. <laughs> I was just like, no, that's when I knew that we were just standing there. How many drips does a pipe drip drip and the pipe drip could drip drip? Well, oh, you listen back wasn't. to that and realise it made no sense other than me saying drip on all four. No. But the thing is, it's just like, when you get, and I think, because the World Cup's going on at the moment, so everyone's pretty like wired for sport so i think we were both like turned it into a bit of a spectator sport just like oh it's forming it's forming yeah can you see can yeah it's definitely for is it forming yeah it's forming here it's gonna trip any second oh it definitely look it's getting yeah yeah it's going to and then just like watching it fall oh my god i i can't take the dripping anymore so i've got to check it at some point later on and i've got to stand there for at least 30 minutes to check that it hasn't dripped what a life you lead Sam mm, it's a thriller is that a life <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, Dan yeah I've got a bone to pick with you go on then <laughs> because like you backed Shenmue 3 I did on Kickstarter I have I mean, actually that got game's bit... never going to be released I've got but... a bit of news on that because I backed it again today what do you mean you backed it again? Uh, I gave them more money. What? Oh, Dan. Dan, this is beginning to sound more and more like like John the con man down the street. Like, oh, you know that, you know that 20 quid you gave me? Like, oh, just, I just need a little bit more. It's coming. I just need a little bit more. Just Dan, get me do we over need the to line. At all? Yeah, I think so. You can't keep on giving this shill money. Well, like, no, no. When it, when it first got announced three years ago, I immediately... <laughs> put somebody it was the first thing i'd ever put money on kickstarter for immediately put money on there and the only things you could buy you obviously you have your your high-end stuff i think one of them is you get to meet the creator and stuff like that you get to change the characters names yeah <laughs> pretty much the base level was like a like Dan a Moo. 20 20 quid and that gets you uh, the digital copy of the game and that was really all that was available for it it's gonna be it's gonna be released on pc and on ps4 as a digital download um what I found out today is that they've actually added a new level, which was, um, I think it's like 40 quid, which was you can get a physical copy of the game. And I prefer a physical copy to a digital download. So yeah. I was able to upgrade my uh, submission, my, however you want to call it, my contribution, um, up to that higher level. So I did that today. So now I'm getting the physical copy, having given them more money today. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, I agree with you. If there was a choice between getting a digital and physical, actually, did, have you heard? Have you heard about um, the size of Shenmue Three? What, like how big it's the like, box is? It's like, is a, it's like an LP. <laughs> with Kickstarter, you get kind of emails and you get updates and as things go along. And they've just released um, the surveys, which often they get sent out, so you can give them your details. So they send me a survey, and I say, okay, I want the PS4 version of it as opposed to the PC and stuff. The PS4 version hasn't really given any details, but they have given details on the PC version, including the system requirements for what you need. So I'm going to ask you both, okay? How much right. how much free space, without looking, how much free space do you think Shenmue 3 will require? Just just as a as a guide, I'll give you some, some existing games, okay? So Skyrim required six yeah. gigabytes, okay? Well, that's quite small. I thought it'd be more than that. Dragon well. Age Inquisition, 26. Witcher 3, 35. Okay? Yeah. 
How much do you think Shenmue 3 will require? Well, I think you're leading up to the fact that it's going to be significantly more than any of those, like 52. Okay, you're saying 52. Chris, what are you saying? I'm going to go for 65. As it stands, for the guidance they've given is that your PC will require 100 gigabytes oh, of data. 100 gigabytes? You're kidding. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a guy who, when admittedly when he made Shenmue he was making one of the most ambitious games ever made now don't get me wrong I'm not saying Shenmue 3 is going to be the most ambitious game ever for that but he has big ideas is what I'm saying yeah it could be 100 gigabytes of bugger all absolutely and I'm fully prepared for that to, to be the case but yeah well, I, I don't know that the, the, the biggest I could find um, well the biggest kind of main one I could find was uh, GTA 5 was 72 um, but I wanted you guys to guess a little bit lower, so I didn't give you that one as an, as an example. All right. So. Fallout 76 is due to is is being listed as 50, so twice as big as Fallout 76. Sounds like a very pretty looking game. So, hmm, I I just worry. I just worry because I want I want you to I want you to uh, have the game that you've always wanted. But I guess I don't know which. What makes you worry the most about this game is that they've announced... Well, they announced it for you uh, a while ago, but the release date for the Shenmue 1 and 2 remaster has been run out. Yeah, they mentioned the remaster that they're working on it a while back. And to be fair, I'd forgotten about it because I've heard rumours about Shenmue stuff for literally decades. Um, and it's <laughs> literally decades and it's never come to fruition. And obviously Shenmue 3 kind of to an extent has come to fruition from them we know they're working on it um the fact that they said yeah we're working on Shenmue HD that's been said many times before I took that with a bit of a pinch of salt and yet just a couple of days ago um you have the thing that's being released on the 21st of August which is like very very soon yeah I'm very excited about that I don't think the games are going to age well but I'm definitely going to be buying them I believe it is kind of both games on the same disc or in the same at least in the same box I'm excited that it will be offered to a new audience and hopefully people will see it for what it was and what it's done as opposed to comparing it to something like The Witcher, something like a Fallout. Because it's not going to be... Because obviously those games have evolved from the ideas that were put in in kind of in Shenmue, the original ones. But I mean, I'm I'm really excited about playing them again, kind of reequating myself with the story, having that to be fair when I found out the HD and then I found out you could get a physical copy of, of Shenmue 3, I was like, well, I I can't have a digital version of one and a physical version of the other. I've got to get physical versions of both. So it was a no-brainer. Dan, is there a date yet for Shenmue 3? Have I missed that? No, they've they've pushed it back not long ago they announced that they pushed it back to 2019 release cool um, December 31st. i've never been bothered about i've never been bothered about the release kind of release date um as long as it is released knowing them the people who not that i know them personally knowing the people who have made it and kind of how they were with the original shenmues i can only imagine the ideas they've had and the kind of the work that's going into that um the ideas that they've they've had in the past have been revolutionary i think they will probably try this again there's been a lot of talk of a battle system chances are these kind of things won't work we're in a, we're in a different um environment and culture these days to what we were when the original shenmue and shenmue 2 came out so you, it's a completely different scope and scale when you look at the other games it's going to be come up, coming up against um i think it'll do some interesting stuff though i really do i think it'll do some interesting stuff how much of it kind of sticks i don't know 
but I think all I need is I'll, just I speak for probably most Shenmue fans all I need is that resolution I've waited decades for it so I'm in the market for a a good sort of RPG like a massive massive game like uh, I I put 15 hours into Zelda Breath of the Wild and I'm sorry but that game is I just it's a bit bobbins isn't it I just didn't get along with it I put my time into it didn't get along with it so would I'd be better off playing like a Shenmue Shenmue 1 and 2 would you recommend it or do you think it's only going to appeal to people like you who loved it and played it and no it dep- I think those? it depends on how you look at it because I think I think it'll be it will be difficult for new players now to get over the the weaknesses of the game which at the time weren't weaknesses when it was released but kind of games yeah. have moved on a lot so I think for new players it those those problems will stand out so much compared to what we're used to. As far as I know, this is like a HD remaster. It's not like Crash Bandicoot or Spyro where they've gone back and... No, it's it's. I've, my understanding is it's, it's like the uh, Metal Gear Solid HD remaster or the yeah. Uncharted one where it's basically a slightly shinier face on them, which is fine. I think you can't rebuild Shenmue from the ground up. There's just too much in there to do that. It's they just they not changed feasible. things in the Uncharted ones. Yeah, but it it wasn't it wasn't the level of update as Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. It it was at the end of the day a, a shinier skin on top of that. You couldn't do that with Shenmue. There is too much in there. There is kind of an, that entire world which is still vibrant and interesting, and there are ideas in those games. The fact that I mean, whether or not they change anything, I don't know. The fact that in that first game there is no fast travel through time and you have uh. to no 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 I don't mean kind of getting from place A to B uh. it's you have to see a certain person at midday it's currently 3 o'clock in the afternoon you've got to wait until midday the next day to meet them I love that no. and you have to no. you can't go, you're 18 years old so you can't go to bed before 8 o'clock what do you mean like midday on your clock like on the clock of the console on the clock on the no the clock within the game all right. Okay. So you've got it. You've the idea was that the the creator, rather than give you the option, I think the fast kind of fast forward was introduced in the second game. The creator wanted the option that if you have to wait for the next day, rather than fast forward, it's going to say, okay, then now you use this time to explore the world, to meet people, to play in the arcade, to do all this stuff. This is what you you're living this life. This is what you do. It's crazy. It's an crazy idea, and it probably doesn't work, but it's a brilliant idea in its essence it's brilliant I love the idea that Sam thought that it was like 12 o'clock like your time like real life time okay I want you to meet I want you to visit us for Christmas late in June (laughs) when it comes around to within the game when it comes around to Christmas it does start to snow and Santa you can see on the streets oh it's there is but that's the thing you would you would look at that and say that's terrible that's really cheesy when the game came out these were brand new ideas and that's I think that's where I think some people will struggle with it because they they won't it won't kind of sit well that these aren't brand new ideas anymore but you you have to appreciate the game for what it was I would recommend it as I've said numerous times I don't know how well these games will age um, I haven't played the I've got both Shenmue and Shenmue 2 for the Dreamcast I still have them I haven't played them in a very very long time so i It'd be interesting to know, and I think I will get the HD masters because it's much easier to play them on a on a PS4 on a, a modern console. And they'll they'll be updating the controls, although they'll still make the old control scheme available. You can have the old voice acting, which was 
god awful but it's just part of kind of the charm of old games with that kind of thing often you'll get that nostalgia kick from hearing those old terms hearing the fact that it's badly dubbed and it's awkwardly recorded and the there is a tiny tiny bit of motion capture which is the most primitive types of motion capture you can find with faces that don't seem to move all that stuff you have to appreciate within the time of which it was made Shenmue 3 100 gigabytes of probably just fluttery flowers and petals and it's yeah we've got a question you can now ask us questions because that's a new thing that we do if you want to know where the questions are then you've got to go to stayingin.podbean.com contact us or just speak to us on twitter like a normal human being i don't know or phone Emails. peter wellington on oh seven no <laughs> <laughs> staying in gmail.com that's another one so we've got six questions through from a very enthusiastic richard simpson from at we're not wizards so because we're always strapped for time i thought let's get bawdy and i've brought a little d6 with me marvelous yowza so i thought we'd roll this once a couple of times we'll see how long they take to um we'll just pick the question that fate decides so this is from we're not wizards fantastic board gaming podcast that we've been guests on and they've been guests on on it lovely people right so i'll roll this here we go question one so okay so if you decided to get a group tattoo to remember your friendship (laughs) what tattoo would you get to regret now if we were getting a group tattoo, I want it to be a tattoo that only made sense when we were all together. So you have to put our arms together and it creates the picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd not want us to each have a little mug on our arm or something like that. It'd have to be like, or, or you could have it like, so on our arm, we'd each have the process of making a cup of tea and it only makes sense when it's all together. So like Pete has the kettle then Dan has the bag, I have the mug, and then... Chris has the milk. Uh, Chris has the milk or the biscuit or whatever. So one arm could be skimmed, one arm could be full fat. <laughs> How are you feeling today, Chris? Boom, boom. <laughs> and it's like, you know, Century have recently done it. Uh, Spice Road and Eastern Promises, the new one. Like, the art is different on each box but when you put them back put them together it creates what one continuous picture a bit like it does in um lost expedition Takedo. and Takedo and that other game that you've got chris the pirate one. Oh, jamaica great board jamaica game. yeah something where you so like the, the pictures are great on their own but put them together it creates like one continuous image so i imagine like we could do something like that like have like a table that stretches across our arms for like how to make a cup of tea uh what else could we do if we weren't going to do like having a mural split across four people to join up, I guess we could like pick our favourite like thing to do with like, I guess because it's We're Not Wizards asking the question like board games. So like probably have like a little meeple on my arm or a picture of Noel Edmonds or something like that, you know. We could all have a different coloured meeple. Yeah, that'd be good. Remember, remember when we, uh, oh, it wasn't meeples we took up uh, Snowden, wasn't it? It was uh, little miniatures. Workmen. In the board game Snowdonia. Yeah. But yeah. That'd be nice. But I'd, I'd, I'd get a tattoo of a little meeple. Sure. Well, there you go. That, that, that's the tattoo that we would get and regret. 10 years then, I'd say like a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. After <laughs> after we got it, we'd, 
Or just no, immediately having you... having done it, immediately regret my decision. I mean, once you've plucked up no, the courage I'm... to ask the tattoo artist to do that, I think you're fine. Yeah, yeah it's just like, what what do you want, son? And he'd be like, here, and he'd pull out a copy of Carcassonne. Just draw around this. And um, yeah, you could do that. That'd be fun. Right, should we do one, one more? more? Let's do one because... more. Because number three. Okay, so this one's actually this one actually follows on from a previous question, so I'll have to do both of them. If you were stranded on a desert island, yeah. which one of us would Chris eat first, and what would he think each of us would taste of? Oh, he'd eat me first because I'd get on his nerves before anyone else. Pete, he's shaking his head. No, Pete, Pete's... it's got to be Pete. He'd be would would who who would be the who would be the kind of who's going to give him the most meat? Do we think, Pete? I don't know, Sam. You're the you're you're the fittest out of all of us, so you, you you might be a bit more tender. I reckon Pete, because I think if we were stranded on a desert island, I think Pete, out of all of us, would have very different ideas of how life would be on a desert island. <laughs> so you're saying Chris pointing him out of his misery? Yeah, and also years of basting his insides with fatty foods, nuts, and sweet treats would probably make him taste a lot like that date wrapped in bacon. To be honest. <laughs> Whereas, as previously mentioned in this podcast, <laughs> this is really bringing it round tightly, is that I will be pickled yeah, and vinegar. that's exactly why I wouldn't eat you, Sam. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you'd have to at some point. I mean, if you're going to, wouldn't you rather get me out of the way first? Or, well, what I would ideally do is use you all as like one complete meal. So use my innards. <laughs> use my innards to add some vinegar and spice to the rest of the people yeah that kind of works i mean, I think i think that like for some reason i think dan would make a really good dessert do you i always i always fancied that dan would be you say that as um, if you've thought about this for a long time <laughs> well I i've do. often thought about eating my friends i thought i think that dan would be very traditional so dan would be dan would taste like you know a roast beef or a toad in the hole or something it's like that comfort food you know yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very oh. Dan would be very comforting. A winter, a winter warmer. Eating it. Eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Dan Dan would be like mum food. Just like, ooh, like sit you down a like nice Come beef on. stew. Yeah. That's that's what he'd say when you were killing him to eat him, just like, Don't worry, I'll be nice to eat. And then Don't Chris... forget the potatoes. <laughs> oh my god i don't want to think about what the potatoes are um, they were just potatoes Chris... all right okay where are you getting those from a desert island pete's magic shop <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> chris what would you taste off no chris would be dessert and chris you would be i mean i'd want to say something nice but let's be honest it'd be like a stick of rock yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be like some celery it would have staying in written all the way through it <laughs> maybe like a i don't know a trifle man of many layers yep. depends what the season is really True. <laughs> uh, well, what would pete be like the coffee and cigars <laughs> no pete's the hash oh, pete's browns, the hash browns. Pete's the, yes pete's the date wrapped in wrapped in bacon date wrapped in bacon dan's the roast dinner i'm the dessert I'm sam the, you are the like the side, side. <laughs> i think that's quite insulting <laughs> <laughs> I quite like it. Sides, sides and appetizers are the best part of any meal. It's a good thing the question wasn't asking what kind of tapas we'd be. 
That was Staying In with Sam Turner, Dan Frost and myself, Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to leave us a cheeky review too, we'd be really grateful. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to all the things we've covered in this episode. And come find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Staying In Pod. Thanks for listening.